0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this live edition of the SAP Learning Insights podcast. We are live with an event on the SAP community and looking to get some live audience interaction on this topic. If you're all up to it, don't be shy. Today, I want to talk to, uh, I'll talk about American military veterans and their transition into civilian life, specifically the tech se- sector. To help guide us through this topic, is author, fellow veteran, and SAP colleague Tom Amenta. Hello, Tom. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Good to have you on board. So with the start of every podcast, we always want to get our hero's origin story. Who are you? Where are you from? How'd you become the professional you are today? And also for the context of this podcast, please feel free to share your military resume as well.
1: Okay. Uh well my my journey here has been a long and strange and winding road that I wouldn't trade for the world. My name is Tom Menta. I am currently the field marketing specialist for Cloud ERP here in the North American field marketing uh unit. I uh I enlisted actually in the military on my 18th birthday, uh much to the chagrin of my parents if we're being honest. Um from there I spent 5 years active duty with the US Army's 75th Ranger Regiment, Special Operations Light Infantry. I was first at Second Ranger Battalion messed up my shoulder, so I went and worked staff for a couple of years to round up my tour. I went to the University of Illinois, got my degree in political science, and I was also still in the National Guard as an infantry and combat tactics instructor. 2008 is when I graduated right into the teeth of the housing crash. And so me and a couple of my friends had this genius idea that uh, rather than getting, quote, unquote, real jobs, we would start a lifestyle apparel company focused on the veteran first responder and, quote, patriotic American space, uh, which had a very different connotation, I'd like to point out, in 2008 than it does right now. So we uh, founded a company called Ranger Up. I was the COO of that. Grew it from uh, basically zero initial stage startup all the way into the eight-figure revenue stream. Eventually decided... Um, uh, I didn't want to do apparel anymore. So I sold uh my stake in the company, took a mini retirement, traveled all the way around the world for about five months. I have also did some consulting both in the security space uh and in the marketing space. I was hired in 2019 at Google to work in their cloud business at Google Cloud. So did that for a year, I was let go in the middle of COVID. You know, that was always that was always a sort of fun time had been the director of marketing for a midsize business for a little over a year. And then I got the opportunity that I currently have here at SAP to be in the Field Marketing Org. So that's a little bit about me and my professional journey. And uh, yeah, I'll, at every space and every way, you know, techs played actually a huge part. You know, in 2008, when we started... We could only do the company through e-commerce. We can only do it through the emergence of social media and being able to put that together with email marketing and, you know, really cost effective things and learning how to use these new platforms and technology. Um, when I worked in security, you know, being able to use GPS and being able to systematize, you know, where your officers are and how they're doing to create efficiencies and, you know, reduce costs for your customer was huge, in addition to being able to continue to promote it and market it. And then you know obviously, now I'm here with the one of the oldest and most prestigious tech companies in the world, talking to all of you today. Cool. what was the last part you said you
0: said about g p s and tracking officers I, you lost me there
1: Oh, so when I was working for the safety and security company, it's called Signal, what they'll do is they will g p s track their officers through their routes. like they won't uh, do it in real time because of privacy issues, but it allows you to know with with certainty and clarity that hey, this is your report. This is where they were. This is when they checked your lockbox. This is when they checked everything. So there's a peace of mind to it, but it also is great for the dispatch in the back end because you know where everybody is. So you you can calculate your time to response, your time to things like that in a much more efficient and, and quick manner. Probably couldn't do that in uh, <laughs> in in the EU because of GDPR, but here in the United States, you can definitely get away with that one.
0: Okay, cool. Um, so you definitely had the full spectrum of experiences starting from the military mm-hmm. a, a relatively smooth transition to the civilian world, would you say how, how was no.
1: that? <laughs> oh man, my transition was really rough. so the first mistake that I made is i uh I spent five years I was in Afghanistan for my second tour. I got back from Afghanistan in June middle of June separated from the army at the beginning of August and 2 weeks later I was in an 8am economics class at the University of Illinois for Econ 101 I had no no space no change I just went for, I mean just hard stop from one spot to the other and that was really difficult to start off with there was just no decompression I went from being part of you know one of the most elite military units in the world to Suddenly, and this is, it's going to sound cliche, and, and but it's exactly what happened on my second class. This kid with like white boy dreads and uh, a tie-dye shirt and a bunch of hemp saw me wearing one of the shirts that I wore, you know, the Rangers. And it said on the back that it had a picture of Afghanistan and a picture of Iraq. And it says, we do bad things to bad people. Who's next? And it, your typical military rah-rah thing, right? And so I'm wearing the shirt and, and he like taps me on the shoulder and he's like, hey man, you know, that shirt's kind of aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like, I mean, just totally over the top and like way, you know, like like what you want to fight about it? Like, I mean, not really, but like, yeah, it was aggressive. And he's like, whoa, man, like, I just wanted to point out like maybe that's not how it should work in the world. And so I haven't even like decompressed and like barely unplugged from being in a combat zone, let alone going from around with all my friends who see it one way to you know, suddenly some 19 year old kid tapping me on the shoulder to tell me my t shirt's aggressive was not exactly the easiest easiest transition there. Uh, I got really lucky. Uh, I ended up working in radio for four years. So I found a creative outlet. Um, I've generally been a pretty creative person. And so that helped a lot. And then sort of reestablished and found new people, new friends. Uh, my two best friends through college were both uh, former uh, United States Army Special Operations Command, uh, either in service and support, or my buddy Tyler was in third range battalion. So we hung out a lot. Once I sort of found them and, you know, they definitely helped me, you know, this is, this is what you do in the civilian world. This is what you don't do in the civilian <laughs> world. Tom, Tom, you can't say that, don't do that type thing. So it was a, it was a rough transition, but, you know, eventually I found my people and and, and found the guys and, and, you know, sort of carried on.
0: Cool. And um, at, at what point did you end up becoming sort of an entrepreneur and starting your own business? So but between your separation and you ending up in that econ class, at what point did that happen?
1: Yeah. So... It was um, it was the beginning of, or the the end of 2007 when I first met Nick Palmisciano, who it was the CEO and uh, initial stage founder of Ranger Up, and he had done it as sort of a hobby. And we had been connected through a mutual mutual friend who was a writer for a then prominent mixed martial arts blog. and And Matt was like, "You got to meet this guy." And it, it had just been a hobby for Nick; he had just been sort of goofing off with it. And as we started talking, and it was, and it was like, you know. Uh, We were just trading ideas about what we thought was funny, about what we thought was cool, about what we thought sort of the veteran community wanted to say through apparel. We realized that we were really on the same page. And so it started growing a little bit. We were able to get a little bit of press and sort of like ticking up and up and up. And I graduated and there just wasn't anything. You know, I, I was I moved to St. Louis to be with my then girlfriend. There was absolutely nothing in the market. And Nick calls me and he's like, hey, I really want to try and do this. I'm like, "Okay." You know, like, what's that look like? He's like, well, you know, I mean, you no, know, I'd like to know in a week. And I'm like, Nick, like, you want me to move across the country to Durham, North Carolina? I, you know, I, I get it. The job market sucks. I love what we're doing here, but like, it's it's not a, I don't think that's, you know, idiots. No, no, no. You don't understand. I need you here in a week so we can plan the holiday season to actually have a chance at this. And uh, I literally, like, I, I had a conversation with my, you know, my then, girlfriend at the time. We both were like, yep, go for it. Got in the car literally the next morning, drove all the way to, to Durham, North Carolina and ended up doing that for almost 10 years. Wow. So it was just uh it was a leap of faith. And I think that a lot of entrepreneurs have a very similar story to that. It was just, uh, you know, we, we knew we had something special and we knew that there was sort of a moment with the emergence of, you know, social media, the emergence of the ability to really get the analytics to your email marketing in a way that you hadn't seen before, be able to do sort of, what you know people now call omni channel that was all sort of nascent and emerging and just between our two backgrounds, we knew a lot about it already. You know, I was one of the first million adopters of Facebook when it was the Facebook for uh for some of the the people that are my age out there. Uh, you know, MySpace was was something that, you know, I had gotten a little bit of traction on through a couple of different things. And, you know, we we went after it and got a got a couple of key uh press press things at the same time to marry it to the The uh, social that we've been doing. And the next thing you know, the company took off and was on a rocket ship from there.
0: Amazing. So, would you say that um, that sense for business had anything to do with the military, or was that something that was just innate in the both of you from the start?
1: I think the military, I, I honestly think the military makes some of the best entrepreneurs. Because at the end of the day, when you leave the military, and this is what I tell any veteran, whether they want to go into tech, whether they want to be an entrepreneur, or whether they're just transitioning, is like, don't ever forget that at the end of the day, your ultimate competitive advantage is, is your ability to adapt faster than the majority of people and the ability to work harder than the majority of people. And that's not to say that there aren't people that can outwork and can adapt a, a veteran, I've met plenty of them. But... It's, you know, adapt and overcome is just drilled into you in every branch of service. And it's constantly and it's like, go, go, go. You cannot fail the mission in the military. Like failure is not an option. You are playing, you know, in many units with literal life and death stakes, which just doesn't exist in most other places. So you you constantly have that. You constantly have that. I've got to keep going. I've got to keep pushing. I've got to get to accomplishment. And then you also, when you realize something isn't working, you know, especially in the middle, you know, like when I was in the Ranger Regiment, like we're engaged in in active combat. We're not going to keep doing the same thing over and over again if it's not working. <laughs> like, yep. That's that's a real problem, and you have to you have to handle that in real time. And you have to handle it quickly. So, I think that that the military and those. Those lessons, if you learn them and you really internalize them and you apply them from your service, I think makes you, you know, built sort of for that entrepreneurial highs and lows and the ability to, you know, sort of kill the, you know, the sacred idea or pivot and adjust or you know ideate as as we love to say here in tech or you know fail hard, fail fast, keep going. Right, all of these things that you hear sort of in tech spaces that you sort of hear in entrepreneurial spaces are really hardwired into you in the military from the time you go to basic training on. So. That's, I, I definitely think that that helped. I think that there are some sort of innate, you know, just the way that I sort of look at numbers the way that I will sort of creatively approach a problem. I think the military accentuated, but I think I've always sort of been there for me and sort of who I am. So I think it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B, but I definitely think that there are applicable skills from the military that can really help you both in a career, especially in a place like technology and also as an entrepreneur.
0: Okay. And maybe for my own personal curiosity and to go into a military specific question, Something I always want to ask uh folks from uh your background, mm-hmm. which was tougher, uh RIP or Ranger School.
1: Oh um so so for those of those of you, I'll I'll back this up. So RIP or the Ranger Indoctrination Program, they now call it the Ranger Assessment and Selection Phase is how you get into the 75th Ranger Regiment, which is special operations light infantry in the US Army. Ranger School is the premier leadership course that the US Army teaches. So if you ever see someone that's got like that black and gold patch that we call a tab, that's Ranger School. Uh, If you ever see someone that says Ranger and it's a black and red patch, that's the the actual unit. I think for me, RIP slash RASP was harder, personally. Um, I think that it was... I was younger. I didn't really have like the the self confidence that was instilled in me that the unit had before they sent me to Ranger school. For that matter, they also had the fear of like, if you're in the Ranger regiment, if you're in the unit and you don't pass Ranger school, the leadership course, you don't stay in the unit. They kick you out. So, like, even on your worst day in Ranger school, there's still that, like, do I still want to be in the unit? Absolutely. And like, there's this fear of like, I can't screw this up. Whereas, you know, RIP slash RASP was really a, that was a gut check. That was a personal inside of me. Do I have what it takes, you know, internal? Like I wasn't part of the team yet. Whereas on my bad days in Ranger school, there was always an element of I'm not failing my guys. I'm not going to fail this course and have to leave, you know, my team. So yeah, RIP slash RASP was probably harder for me personally, just because, just because of sort of that element. Okay.
0: Yeah. And I could see where maybe some of the civilian world challenges could probably pale in comparison to... Maybe some of the experiences uh in one of those schools, for example.
1: I, I one of the things I say really I'm really careful about is I don't like saying like pales in comparison or it must be so great. I've gotten this point in my life where everyone has individual challenges. Okay. Like hmm. like things that are really, really hard and really difficult for me. Um, I'm pretty candid as a person. So You know, like right now, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to be dating like, oh, she's amazing. My partner and I, and I just love her to death, but she is way more emotionally astute and emotionally vulnerable than I am. Like, you know, we'll, we'll just be having like a deep conversation and she real, and she has to be patient with me to sort of like, let me get to where I need to get to like finally have something that like, she, sometimes I feel like she just wakes up and it's just her EQ is just so high. Right. That's hard for me. For some people it's really easy, but I'm not, I'm not going to tell someone that you know, one is right or one is wrong. I think it's the same thing I took to the military really well It was that. There's a lot of innate understanding to me. There was a lot of things that I just inherently, the way I'm wired up as a person, you know, to be a member of the Ranger regiment, I'm not going to say it was easy. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, but it was just, it came far more naturally to me than it's going to come to some other people. And it was a challenge that I was just for whatever reason was equipped to deal with. And mm-hmm. so I think everyone has that in life. You know, show me someone with, you know, tremendous strengths. I will show you someone with equal weaknesses. It's just part of the sort of the human experience and the human condition. So I was built for it. Just the way, you know, life led me down a path. to was, I was, I was built to do well being a ranger. I'm not a, you know, don't, don't ask me to, you know, have a deep philosophical conversation about the complexity of human emotions, because after about 30 seconds, I'm like, I, you know, like, you know, that's very hard for me. Um, you know. Uh, there's some other things that are incredibly hard for me. It's just I think people have different strengths and different weaknesses, and at least for me, that's just something I was more wired up to do.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, and and speaking of challenges, so what are some of the challenges that people in the U.S. military face as they go transition out of
1: service? So, oh man, there's a lot. I've I've distilled it down because I'm I'm lucky to do a lot of veteran mentorship through a variety of tr- different organizations, and whenever I talk to a new potential mentee, one of the first things that I suggest to them is there's three books, two of them for sure. And then the third I add, if, if you've been to combat, especially if you've been in a special operations unit. The first book is Sebastian Younger's Tribe. And it's a really thin book. I would encourage everyone to read it. If you want to understand sort of the experience, you can read it literally in an afternoon. And Younger, who was a war correspondent during the Balkan campaign and has been to some of the craziest places in the world and as a reporter has just been you know everywhere. He was the person who did the documentary Restrepo, uh, if you've seen that. And what he talks about is that as traumatic as some of the experiences that could lead to, you know, post-traumatic stress in the military, what the the ultimate trauma is the loss of your team, loss of your tribe. Is that when you're in, you know, for the army in infantry, it's a platoon, when you're with those 40 guys. It is so such a tight community. And even the people that you're not like super awesome friends with, you're still super close to like there is just such a meeting and it's it's just there's this depth of experience and relationship that is so hard to find in the world. And especially when you start there in your late teens and you leave it in your early 20s before your your frontal cortex is fully developed and you have your higher cognitive function, it's really hard. And, and it's, and there's a, there's a sort of like psychological wound of having something being so close to you and not having it. And then you have this, an additional layer that inside of that community, you are constantly told because it really is required to do the job that you're the best at what you do. You can't send someone into combat and be like, oh, you're all right at it. You know, good luck, dude. You know, like you constantly got to inspire. You constantly got to believe that you're capable of that mission Or you might, you truly might not come home from it. The power of belief is so critical to something like that. So, Younger does a great job of sort of explaining in a really simple way what's going on in your head and allows people to sort of move forward. And so, like, this is what it means. And like, this is how you can help process it. The second one that I always say is Ryan Holiday's ego is the enemy. Uh, Ryan Holiday is. You know, now in his early 40s, and he's just an incredible modern Stoic philosopher. Um, I have so much respect for Ryan, just as a human being, as a person. Um, I'm lucky to have to have known him a little bit. But even without that, I, ch- I always choose that book because the other thing, and I mentioned a little bit earlier, when you're in the military, you're constantly told how awesome you are. <laughs> like it's one of those things that I think that and and there's only this reinforcement mechanism, especially in American society, because less than one percent of the population has served over the past 20 years. Of you know you thank a veteran right on Veterans Day you know if you're if you're a veteran and you want to gain thirty pounds just go to every restaurant that's offering you free food for that day and you'll put it all all on the weight right like it's just ridiculous and so that reinforcement especially when you're young like if you buy into this belief that you're like totally. You know, I'll use a in you know, an American military term, star-spangled awesome, <laughs> right? Then it's only harder when suddenly you're in that 8 a.m. economics class like I was, and now you're just another, you know, 20-something kid, you know, that's a freshman in college. Uh there's a there's a change. And I what I love how Ryan talks about how our ego and how our belief in ourselves and how we apply that can be just as dangerous going forward. And I think it's a really good reality check and it's a really good sort of low-level humbling and Level resetting when you leave the service because between the two of those things, when you realize what you're really grappling with as far as loss, and you realize that how you're gonna have to change your mindset, I think it leads at least for me and some people that I'm seeing that I've adjusted really well is at the end of the day, like I said earlier, like your true competitive advantage when you leave the military is that your work ethic and your ability to adapt. Those are the you know you might have some skills specific to your job or things like that, but the core, the sort of ethos of the military body are, in my opinion, those two things. And I think that if you sort of learn the lessons from those two books early and you apply that sort of thing when you're transitioning, I think that that really helps. The third is a really long, really complicated book. Those first two you can read literally in an afternoon. Um, but if you've been to combat, and especially if, if you you know have a PTS diagnosis like I do, um, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk's book called The Body Keep Score is amazing. It's a hard read, especially if you've been through some of the things in the military. Like, it is not an easy, you know, pick it up. Uh, I am not a temper tantrum, throw things type of guy. Um, I read one chapter, I started ugly crying so bad, I literally chucked the book across the room. I had to finish it the first time I read it on audiobook because it was just too much. Um, but it talks about the process of how you internalize things like post-traumatic stress, which I should also take a point. Military, and this bothers me sometimes personally, the military does not have a market on PTS. Okay, we do not have a monopoly on it. There are plenty of people who have suffered, you know, horrible things in their life that they're also working through. And I really wish that at least American society would give a little more credit to. Other people, it's it's easy to understand where it comes from if you're a combat veteran, but there are so many other people in this world that are struggling. You are not unique in that regard if you're a veteran, and you are not less valid or less validated if you are someone who had a traumatic experience that just ha- didn't happen to be you walking into a foreign country with a gun. But he talks about how that mental trauma and that mental struggle affects your body physically, how it physically manifests itself, how you have all these interconnected systems in the human body and how you know, we far too often focus on just one little aspect when you need a holistic view of that. It's not just take a drug, you'll be fine. It's not just learn how to box free either learn how to do yoga or meditate and you'll be fine. It's not just go get a good workout in. Um, it's not just go to therapy. It's it's finding the group of things that works for you. And, you know, he does an amazing job. He's one of the pioneer researchers all the way back to the Vietnam War in the field. Um, incredibly hard book to read. It's, it's again, it's not easy, but it, at least it's well worth it, especially if you're a, in my opinion, a combat veteran and you're just working on your transition, because a lot of that's going to come up when you get uncomfortable and you get in these spaces that you're not used to. And, you know, all those other things we talked about a second ago. So that's, that's how I sort of recommend people to do It's sort of like, I like those books cause it's sort of the roadmap of where I feel like leads to a successful transition.
0: Okay. So three critical tools for uh, transitioning from military Uh, Into the civilian world, um, at least to address the emotional, mental impact of that change. Mm -hmm. There's one thing that I I noticed my time in the military that uh, tripped a lot of people up was um, money, like their inability to manage their finances. So you have these uh, 18 19 year olds coming in and oftentimes never had much money to begin with. Now they start getting a regular paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have the pay rent. Um, they don't have right. some of the other financial obligations that people who are living out there on their own normally have. Mm-hmm. And they go a little crazy with their money <laughs> and they start, they start spending it as fast as it comes in. And worst case scenarios, they spend it. They spend more than they're actually getting. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of uh, credit with high interest rates, yep. credit cards with high interest rates, that sort of thing. Any any tips for folks out there who are maybe just starting the military career in the middle or towards the end to maybe fix some nasty spending habits or nasty financial management habits <laughs> that will be um, causing them some problems uh, when they separate from the military?
1: Definitely do not buy the Daytona Blue Nissan 350Z sports car after your second combat tour. Not that I would know anything about that. No, I, I actually did do that, um, oh. which, well, at, at least for me, I had I at least had some level of financial plan. Like i would had some money after the down payment and all that other stuff. I wasn't, a, I was an 80% clueless moron, not a 100% clueless moron, I guess I would say. The, fir- the first thing I would say is it's really hard. And I, I don't know how, how I still, to this day, don't know how to reach an 18, 19 year old uh, kid with sort of sage advice to get them to take it. Cause I've tried I I hope what I hope at least with the military is that the is that it seems like they're doing a better job with leadership, you know, encouraging, you know, E ones, E twos as they get in. I would say that when you're transitioning, right, like it's so hard when they're in the military, and you know, I know guys that uh, would have the worst financial picture on earth realize that it was going to crater. They were single. They went overseas. They used that sort of safe, built-in savings mechanism of their debt. And then that's where they sort of started from, the, um, from a new place. So if you are deploying and you're in the military and you're listening to this, save as much as you can, right? It gives you freedom. It gives you flexibility. I would say that you have the opportunity when you're transitioning to take a financial literacy class as part of TAPS, like a really intense one, like a six-week, you know, as you're, as you're moving through. Take it. Accept that. Like, use that tool. Like, you know, and also I would say that when you're leaving, it, if you're – it's a matter of priority, right? Like, when I left, I was single. Okay, I was single. I wanted to have fun. Not only did I already have like, the GI Bill and everything lined up. So I had an income stream. I had a job lined up when I in, in Champaign, Illinois. So like I had, I had three different revenue sources. And yeah, it was, it was pretty stupid to buy a sports car. I'm not going to pretend like it was a good decision, but I at least knew I had a budget and I knew that I could afford it based on what I was doing, even if, you know, the return to the market would have been better. So having that financial literacy class, make sure you're taking that but it's like i was single like if you're getting out and you're you are you know you were the primary breadwinner or you have a family man like what does your family need that's that's what i always say you know when i'm talking to guys and they're getting ready to get out or they're getting ready to go back to school or things like that is like what does your family need like bare bones hierarchy of needs based on the pyramid and then what is it that they're going to lose in lifestyle reduction if you go to that because i think that some people it's not for it's not for me to judge like I'm a very experiential person generally speaking like I love to travel I love to go out to dinner with you know my friends and my family and the people I really care about or just you know if a friend of mine is like hey I want you to meet my my buddy they're interesting like I'm the person that drops a couple hundred bucks on a dinner like that just because I want the experience because I want to be able to sit down for two three hours with someone who has that like that's generally how I how I go you know and like I have three sort of items or things that I generally like Pay for that are that are things, and I budget for it, right? Like, and they're my fun things, and those three things happen to be my American whiskey collection. I'm a big sneakerhead, <laughs> you know, so I really like that. And then I I build these big Lego monstrosities, which you can see a <laughs> couple behind me. So, like, those those are the things. Like, I know that that's in that's in my budget, so it's like plan for that. Like, be honest about it be be honest about who you are, and make sure that that's worked into your budget rather than just that baseline necessary. Like, figure out where your level is and if it can support you, you know, and if it can't, then you either need another income stream or you need to like pair back or if you don't sort of go from there. So that's, you know, kind of, kind of how I do it in a very convoluted and complicated way that I probably could have made a little easier. <laughs> okay. No, makes sense. Uh, were there any other
0: opportunities for folks within the military like before or during separation that they could t- take advantage of? So you mentioned
1: the financial literacy class. Is there anything else out there that? Oh, SkillBridge! Oh my gosh! If you're in the military right now, this this was not ex- this was not uh, there for me in 2004. But the SkillBridge program, it in my generation, and I know I sound super. Why in my generation? But back um, in my day, yeah, like right, back in my day, you know, like get off my lawn, kids, right. If you were leaving, you were like a pariah. You were the enemy. If you didn't do twenty years, right? Like you were, you were a quitter. You were all, like the military has gotten a lot more mature and a lot more adult about this. Can just be a phase of someone's life. Never mind that sixty percent plus of enlistments is only one time. So they're finally sort of catching up to the reality of the situation. What a skill bridge is is in addition to a group of skills that you want to learn as you're transitioning, and also if your command supports it, most commands are pretty good about this. Um, will allow you to basically take an internship with a company inside the field that you're really working towards. So the skill bridge will look and say, you'll say, I really want to do this. And it's like, okay, well, you're getting a degree in these fields would be optimal. Making sure you learn how to do this would be great. You know, like if you want to, if you want to code, for example, it's like, okay, making sure that you have C++, Java and Python to, in order to, you know, do app, app dev or something like that, right? They help you with that. And it's like, okay. And then if you want to, we'll put you on an internship for six weeks while you're still on active duty with, you know, um I'm trying to think of one that I actually know happened. And actually I know someone who did one at Intel, um, because they were interested in like chip development and the engineering surrounding it and things like that. And they'd already had a uh, an engineering degree. So you know they'll they'll pair you with that. They'll they'll let you do things like that as long as your command approves it. So Planet, Like if you know that you're 11 months away from getting out, right. You know, start talking about that, start finding those things to take advantage because they really are powerful programs. They're great. Make sure your GI bills lined up. Okay. Like I went to school for free on that. And you hear all this time about all like college debt and things like that. Like if you're getting out, take advantage of that. Like that's not only is that literally free money <laughs> with no exaggeration, it's Freedom from so many other things going down in life, like lack of debt, lack you know, increased opportunity. So definitely take advantage of both of those programs. those are super critical.
0: Okay. Awesome. Well, from a more personal perspective and for maybe colleagues of yours, were there any other interesting strategy or tactics that people had or utilized as they were transitioning? So you obviously had a friend that had this great idea to start an apparel company Mm -hmm. or were there any other sort of, um, noteworthy stories like that where people just uh, leveraged their previous experience in the military and um, really
1: got a head start in the civilian world? So I would actually say that my friends who transitioned the best all traveled for a little bit before they went to the next thing. They all gave themselves some space. So one of the the interesting things I've done in my life is actually it's behind me is the the book that I wrote, The 20-Year War, is 71 different veterans' stories and experiences over the life of the global war on terror. And one of the things that we asked was what was your transition like? And then what are you doing now? And one of the dudes, it's awesome. Cody Alford was like, uh, I got out, my wife and I, we got a a sprinter van and we went all the way around the U S for like nine months. And that really, really helped him. There's, there's three or four other people in the book and then five or six other people that I'm friends with that they all travel. They're all like, you know what? I'm not going to immediately jump into the next thing like I personally did, which was for me, at least was definitely a mistake. They gave themselves some time to decompress and time to explore what their service meant to them and what that next phase would look like. You know, some people, I guess, especially if you have a family, you don't have that luxury. and And I understand that. But if you do have some time, if you do have some space, go places that you're curious about is what I would say. Because I think that curiosity is one of those things that you don't always get a chance to explore when you're in the military because it is regimented and it is structured and you are, you know, taking orders a lot of the time. So when you leave, the first thing that you have is your curiosity back. You get to, you get to be super curious. You get to go like, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I mean, there's good curiosity. There's maybe bad curiosity, but... You get a chance to sort of explore that and and have that agency back. And I've noticed the people that transition the best find a way to express and explore their curiosity upon leaving the service rather than staying in the, this is the plan, and we are walking down this road, and we will have zero standard deviations from the norm in order to fulfill the mission, you know, Rangers lead the way, right? Like... It, the ability to, to see the, the broader world and, and to explore that curiosity, I think is just a huge benefit to people, especially if you have a little bit of space to do it. Uh, travel's a natural manifestation of that. I know someone who decided that they wanted to learn another language. So they were just like kind of hanging out at the house on like Duolingo or Rosetta Stone or whatever for like five hours a day. <laughs> I'm not kidding, like five hours a day. Just trying to like power through learning a language. Um, you know, I, I have some friends that you know, one guy's Knox gotten very, very good at metallurgy and making knives and stuff. He was just curious and always wanted to do it. So he created a little forge in the back of his house and started, uh, you know, in the garage, start banging away and, and learning how to do that. But the theme is that they were all letting their sort of curiosity and their intellect sort of like breathe mm-hmm. a little bit. And I think that that's a, that's a, that's a key to a successful transition. I really
0: do. All right. That's a really great perspective. So allow yourself to decompress, not immediately jumping to the next mission to be accomplished. Um, mm-hmm. A little a little playtime, if you can afford it.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: And for those folks who maybe uh, don't have that time, so you, you mentioned folks with families, mm-hmm. um, perhaps those who spent all their money and have nothing to their name as they're separating, <laughs> um, and maybe they, they stumble and fall on their face mm-hmm. as they leave the military, and they realize they didn't have a plan, and now they sort of look around. And um, for those that right. maybe decide, huh. Maybe a tech career. How about that? Specifically moving towards a company like SAP, maybe. How would somebody pick themselves up and start moving in that direction?
1: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug your program and your day job because I the amount of people I've sent it to once I learned about it when I was here has been like kind of absurd. <laughs> because so it, for those of you who don't who don't know, you know David's on the team for the for the Digital Skills Initiative, which allows you to apply and then learn at your own pace um, a, a series of different skills that are going to be required to have a successful career in technology. It's free to the user. You just got to put the work in and the elbow grease, and then. Um, also, in addition to getting all the learning and the things like that that's required, you also can work with the digital skills team and they will work to put you usually with one of our partners here at SAP, either in an internship or an entry level job, depending on, you know, sort of the fit, and where you are and, and what you want to do. And to me, like that sort of program or some of the other just litany of nonprofits that are there to help you know, transitioning veterans or veterans find their skills or their passions, you know, veterans in tech is another one that's similar to digital skills. Like they're out there. You just got to do the research to figure out which one fits best for you and then do the work. Like, again, like the competitive advantage, and I keep saying this and I say it all the time for veterans is the ability to work really, really hard, you know, against, you know, sort of the statistical average on a normal curve, we're always to the far right as veterans and adapt. So, you know, get into a program like that, you know, start trying one thing. And if it doesn't quite fit, then pivot to the next one and just keep working, just keep doing those things, you know, like let your curiosity plus your work ethic take you somewhere, especially if you want to work in tech. Because the other thing that you you find really quickly, and this is why I love the veteran community, why I love uh, working with the nonprofits that I work with and working with other people is that the community is really small, but the network is broad and it's large. And the great thing about the veteran community is that it cycles so quickly generationally that um you know one of my business partners for the content creation sort of side project i have he was in the same unit that i was second ranger battalion but 6 years after me mm-hmm. okay so we didn't serve together but we know 40 of the same people we're friends with you know we're friends with five of them in totally different ways from totally different experiences i was i was talking to a, a buddy who's Four years younger than me, not much in the in the grand scheme of life, but he knew my platoon sergeant, you know, basically my boss when I was in Second Ranger Battalion when he was the sergeant major of the battalion, and we were mentored both at different phases of our career and at different phases of his career by the same guy, and we didn't realize it right away, and once we did. It was. It turned into a race to figure out who could text the the guy that we're talking about. The gentleman's name is, is Command Sergeant Major retired Daryl Thies. Who could who could text these faster? And you know, and like say this is what we're doing it was it was really kind of funny. And that's another great thing about the military is you have that. So it's like when you once you find that you, you find a digital skills, you find veterans in tech, you find that place where you think you can work. Like it doesn't take much more than a bat signal LinkedIn post of Hey, I'm trying to do this. Does anybody know somebody? Because mm-hmm. your network does. And inside a Two or three standard, you know, two or three rings, you're gonna have all the people in the world. And I don't think this is unique to veterans. I think that veterans appear more friendly about it. But I really agree with Steve Jobs when he talked about like I when you ask for help and you're honest about it, so few people say no. It's it's not just a veteran thing. Like we're so used to talk about teamwork and camaraderie and you know, and brother and sisterhood that it's more innate, I think, sometimes. But I would say just anybody, it's like, man, if you're curious or like Put it out there, like, "Hey, does anybody know somebody and is?" Or just do the work, find someone in that field, and just send them a message and be like, "Hey, really interested in this. I would love to get grab twenty minutes, just have a conversation and sort of learn your experience and learn how I can apply because I'm just at the start of my my road." Uh-huh. The average person is so excited to do that because it means you care about what they do. I right. really like that as people. Like, you, you want to get me off on a on a tangent and just get me talking forever, right? Like, you know, ask me about, you know. Uh, you know, one of the things that I'm doing, you know, in SAP is I'm, I'm leading, uh, co-leading the initiative through tent.org to help uh, Afghan refugees get find mentorship and proper employment. And here in the United States, post uh, the fall of Kabul, like ask me about that, and I won't stop talking for an hour. <laughs> you know, like there's a couple of people that I that I know that are on that that have heard me like talk about it over and over because I'm passionate about it. Like I love doing that. Like I'm always, you know, um, you know, ask me about my. Nerd out on my Lego collection, and I'm going to talk about it forever too. It's the same thing if you're a veteran and you're in transition. Like, hey, can I grab 20 minutes? I'd probably grab a little longer because I'm not going to shut up because I'm passionate about it because mm-hmm. I, I love to help. I would love to to apply that. And most people really truly are like that. You know, they the expert might be a little busy. Like, if you try and hit Christian Klein up, you know, it might take you, you know, I don't know, a couple of months to get on a schedule. But if you're the right person for the right reason. I have no doubt that he's going to say something like, yeah, sure. You know, what can I do? Or at the very least say, uh, well, I'm, you know, on a plane five out of seven days a week, but this person in my organization would be a great fit. I would suggest you talk to them. Like that's the worst I've ever seen for something like that. Truly. And honestly, the ability to ask to reach out and say, hey, can you help? Or, hey, what's your opinion? It goes a long way. It really does. All right. So an
0: internet search is free. Yes. Asking for help is free. Yep. Social media uh, networks are free. So if you find yourself ETSing from the military without a dime to your name. Yes. um, If you get a hold of some internet access, the resources are out there for you to make the first step and um, to contact people who might be able to help.
1: Yep. And I would also say like the confidence that you got instilled in you in the military to do certain things and to do certain tasks. And that sort of reduction in fear that gets instilled in you is also free. Apply that here too, right? Like, don't, you know, in, in absence of orders, take initiatives always drilled into us, you know, when you're, where you're in the service, right? So yeah. take the initiative. Like, there's the worst thing that could possibly happen, which by the way, historically, I've not seen is someone says no. So what? Like, you know, how many how many times did your, your, your squad leader, your team leader tell you no when you didn't understand why and often would make you do pushups to reinforce the message, right? Like, forget it. Don't worry about it. Like, go for it. All right. We covered a lot. And I wanted to ask you if you
0: had any final words of wisdom for folks who are planning on separating, who are about to separate or have separated. Is there anything left to cover from your side that uh, maybe you didn't mention yet?
1: It's a military cliche, but I I really do believe slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Okay. Oh, yeah. You, whether you spent, you know, two years, three years, 20 years, 30 years in the military, okay, you are still going to transition to the next phase of your professional work life. And it's okay to like take a little bit of time to, again, like the biggest mistake I made was going, I literally, inside of six weeks, David, I went from being in an active combat zone to an 8 a.m. economics class. Because that's just what you do, right? No, no. Slow is smooth and smooth as fast. Like be deliberate. Give yourself some space. Work through it. You know, you know, some people's life experiences gonna make is gonna make it a little more intense than others. I get that, you know, but find that space, find that smoothness to get there. Because when you do, you're gonna find you're in a so much of a better position long term and treat it like that, you know. It's it, this isn't the the next step for the sake of the next step or the sake of immediacy. This is this is how you're building, you know, to the next place that you want to go. And you know, I said it, but I'll reiterate: be curious too with it. You got all the you got all the time in the world now. Now you've got a chance, right? So explore that. You know, you know, sit with that with a little bit if you're able to. All right, outstanding,
0: Tom Amenta, Thank you, sir, for your time and your wisdom. Oh, uh, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody out there who will be listening to this post it out there on the interwebs. Until next time. Thank you folks. And bye.